This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, which I think is super cool, while with a very modern look and feel to them. And they come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. You can check out them today and start specking your own ultimate garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. So be sure to check it out. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Euro Classics is all about collector cars, from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner, Dale Oaks, by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast. And you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com. Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X dot com. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Today, I am taking a deep dive into Jay Leno's collection. Now, on this podcast, I'm also on YouTube. So if you want to see this video as well as the uh, images of these cars that we will be talking about, please check us out at the Collector Car Podcast dot com and on YouTube at the Collector Car Podcast. So I'm going to review everything from the types of cars in his collection to their countries of origins, to different types of power plants, and a whole lot more. So I'm digging deep into this wonderful collection. I've been a fan of Jay's for years. I try to watch his videos every Monday, uh, Jay Leno's Garage, and check out all the cool cars and the cool guests he has on his show. All right, so this is the first of a five-episode series that uh, I will also get into his European classics, his American classics, his performance in racing cars, and weird and wonderful cars because there's some weird and wonderful stuff in his collection. Now the last episode will end with the 15 cars Jay Leno needs in his collection. So basically I am trying to identify maybe some gaps in his collection where there might be some cool cars that at least I would recommend. And uh, it would be great if anybody knows Jay Leno out there personally. Give him a heads up about this podcast. I would love to have him on to tell us why these 15 cars are not currently in his collection. And and if there are plans to add them anytime soon. I say 15 cars, could be 20. It's not gonna be obvious stuff, like hey, you need whatever, an F40. It's gonna be a little bit more of a deep dive than that. Now I do have 11 pages of notes here, so you'll see me looking down every once in a while, because I have a lot of stuff to cover here. All right, so now if you are not familiar with Jay's collection, it is a lot of cool cars and trucks and a ton of motorcycles. I am not going to talk about the motorcycles on this podcast because this is the collector car podcast, not the collector motorcycle podcast. Uh, now, like I said before, he has the Jay Leno's Garage on YouTube. Uh, every Monday, there's a cool video posted and he's been doing it for nine years and just about all the cars in his collection have been featured, not all. Uh, I really wanna see his 1965 Shelby GT350. 
so that's my personal request. Uh, but you know, sometimes they've been touched upon. They might be in the background. Not all. So I'll call out some of the cars that are not in his collection. Now these uh, cars are housed in his warehouse. It's 122 square feet. So originally it started, I think, about 17,000 square feet, and it's in Burbank, California. So I know some folks that have taken tours. And it's just absolutely amazing, outstanding, and wonderful. Now, like his collection, just a couple of the cars that it ranges from, and I will cover a bunch of cars in this episode. Not all cars, because there's a lot of them, but I'll cover quite a few. It ranges from his 1955 Buick Roadmaster, which he bought in 1972 for $350, to his very first quote-unquote real sports car, which was or is a 1954 Jaguar XK120 that he bought in 1982, all the way up to a new Tesla Model S Plaid. Super fast car. He just bought that, I think, this last year. Now, if you want to see all the details I covered in this episode, I have quite a nice Excel file with links to any of the reference videos, if there is a reference video. Uh, that will be at thecollectorcarpodcast.com under the blog. It's basically the show notes for this episode and the follow-up four or five follow-up episodes. Now, if there was not a dedicated video, I did put a hyperlink in there for, you know, where did where was the car on video? So it might have been through My Classic Car, might have been through other some other TV show, but just to kind of get a feel for uh, where these cars are and a little bit of the history on them. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, as I said below said earlier, there is a video on YouTube where you can see some of the pictures from his collection. So just go to the Collector Car Podcast on YouTube. Now be sure to listen to the end of this episode because I will pick out some of my personal favorite cars in the collection. I will do that at the end. All right, so as with any serious collector, uh, Jay has a couple overarching strategies for his collection. Now most collectors don't start off this way. They start buying what they like, maybe not identifying why they're buying those particular cars. Uh, but I've, I've identified four, not five, I've identified four overarching strategies for Jay's collection, which will also help me pick out cars that I think should be in his collection based on these four strategies. All right, first, Jay likes cars that were advanced for their time. So he was big, is big in advanced engineering. Now this can be seen in his early Bugattis. Uh, some of those had a double overhead cam V8, which was very ahead for its time frame. To the over-engineered Duesenbergs. Now I did an episode a couple, I think it was last year, the fastest car from every decade. And the Duesenbergs for such a top performer, they were actually the fastest car for 1920s and for the 1930s. So that is some really, that's a really great example of over-engineering, advanced engineering. Uh, let's see, he also has a 1958 Lancia. That was the first production car to use a V6 engine. And his 1966 NSU Spider was the first rotary car, the first with a Wankel engine. So. That's one of the things I see predominantly coming through in his collection is that he likes cars that were advanced for their time. Now, he also likes fast cars that perform very well in period. So we all know he has the McLarens. He has the F1, which I believe hit something like 217 miles an hour back in the day. He has the P1. Uh, let's see, the Bugatti Type 43 was noted at the time as the world's first 100 mile per hour production car. Uh, let's see, he has numerous aero cars. So these were cars that were built pre-war and they had some of the engines from actual airplanes that were flying in the skies in World War I and World War II, which is unbelievable. 
Uh, let's see, and Lamborghinis, obviously. And like I said before, his first collector car was the Jaguar XK120, which, which was the fastest car in the world when it was launched. And the 120 actually stood for a top speed of 120 miles an hour. Third, the third strategy I see is that Jay likes cars with interesting history and or are original. Now he owns a 1939 Chrysler Royale that was gifted to him by Johnny Carson. So there's a big story behind that. And he owns numerous unrestored cars, quite a few actually, including a 1967 Chrysler Imperial Crown Coupe and a 1959 Oldsmobile Super 88. So I'll get into a couple of those cars either throughout this podcast or through one of the follow-up episodes. Now, fourth, Jay enjoys cars from his youth and that he experienced when he was working at the European repair shop. Now, these principles for collection have resulted in some really cool cars in Jay's collection, but also some really rare cars. So when you're thinking about trying to adhere to these strategies for a collection, you end up with some pretty rare cars. So I'm, I'm going to just rattle off some of them not all of the rare cars in its collection. Let's see, the Duesenberg Model X was one of 13. The 1989 Ford Shogun was one of seven, and unfortunately is now one of six because we lost one in the recent Colorado fire. Let's see, 2015 Shelby GT350R model. They only made 37 of those. Uh, the Chrysler Turbine from 1963, they made 55. And Jay, I think, has the only one that's in public hands. I could be wrong on that. The 1953 Cunningham C3 is one of 30 and one of 25 coupes, and a 1925 double steam car, one of approximately 25 built. And now there's quite a few of the steam cars that were fairly rare and low production as well. All right, so this episode has taken me a very long time to research. The biggest part was scouring all the videos and trying to capture stuff in Excel format, an Excel file that I could then sort and filter appropriately to kind of pick out some fun facts for all of you. Now, while researching, I actually found a lot of inaccurate articles online, which is maybe shocking, maybe not shocking. Now, one such article stated that Jay owns the Back to the Future DeLorean that is worth $750,000. Now, the real one may be worth $750,000. That probably isn't too far off, but Jay does not own that car. And as far as I can tell, he does not own a DeLorean, period. Now, another article said that Jay owned the only 1931 Shotwell in existence, which is true. And quote, you'd be fortunate to find one for less than $400,000, which is crazy because this, when you see the Shotwell, it's, it's a homemade car and it's not crazy, you know, rare the parts that it was made of. So I would put the price on that car probably closer to 30 to $40,000, not $400,000. And finally, another article stated there were more than 635,000 Volgas built between 1956 and 1970. Leno's fully restored is now worth around $335,000. Again, there are zero cars that were built in that quantity worth anywhere close to $335,000. Now, Volgas are a little harder to put a number on because you just never at, never see them. I mean, I've been trying to find my 1982 Isuzu iMark forever. You never see those because they were pieces of junk, you know, when they came out. So they didn't last that long. But that doesn't mean that they're worth a ton of money. So I would say that his car is worth closer to thirty-five dollars to $45,000. Now, maybe the $300,000 difference is a typo. Instead of 35000, they hit 335000. That's the only thing I can come up with. 
So how accurate is my information? Well, I will have to say mine is better than most, but it's not perfect. So if Jay or one of his buddies is watching this video, I'm sure they'll pick out all sorts of little things, but I think I'm probably 90 to 95% accurate. Now there are a couple instances where I may be off a bit and I do want to point those out. Okay, so I believe that Jay has six Bugattis in one replicar, one Persang replicar type 35. Now, originally I thought that he had a type 35, but then as I went through the videos, I realized, you know what, I don't think he does, but I think that's what his Persang is. So I have him with six Bugattis and a seventh Bugatti replicar. Uh, let's see, Jay doesn't always mention the year production for his cars, doesn't always show up in the YouTube uh, description. So if that fact is in question, I typically will default to the first year of production. So one of my examples is the Lotus um, 7. I listed as a 1957 car because that was the first year of build, but it might be a 1959, it might be a 1961. I don't know. And that will come into play when I pick out the number of cars from each decade. Those might be off a little bit because I don't have uh, all the information. He also has a, I think it's, it's called a Rever. And I believe in the video, he said it was either a 1920 or 1921. Don't know. I have it as a 1920. And another note, not all the cars seen in the background of his YouTube video are necessarily Jay's. Uh, one example is his 1932 Alfa Romeo Monza replica. Those are the same folks that make the Persang. There was a specific video for that, but he never in the video said it wasn't his, but he also never said it was his. I don't think that is his because it has never shown up in another video in the background. And then there was a Ferrari 308 lined up for quite a while in some of his videos. And I don't think that was his either because when Ferrari collector David Lee came on board and was on the TV show or on the YouTube channel, he mentioned how Jay does not own any Ferraris. Now there's probably one or two other examples, but like I said, I think I'm 90 to 95% correct. All right, so what is my logic for the cars I included in Jay's collection? So obviously the easier ones are the videos where he says, this is my car, I bought it here, I've had it this long, and here's what I've done to it. Uh, let's see, some of, some of the other stuff, um, I did not include motorcycles, as I mentioned. I did include street legal vehicles, such as his 1911 Christie's fire truck, but I did not include his 1906 advanced steam traction engine, as that was meant for the farm, it was not meant for public roads. Now I did include the ferret, which is a military vehicle, but I included that because it was uh, legal for the road. And that's one of the reasons Jay said that he actually bought it because he could take it out on the road. Now I did not include any personal vehicles that are not in his garage, you know, like a Tahoe or a Suburban, something like that. But I did include his 2000 Tesla Model S Plaid because that is a future collectible and it's actually the fastest car in his entire collection. Now, Jay is not known for being a seller. Like, he's never sold um, except for a couple cars that he sold through charity for a nonprofit uh, charitable event. So, he did sell his 2008 Dodge Challenger SRT8. Those profits were given to the USO. And he also auctioned off his first 2000 Ford F 150 Harley Davidson. That was really cool because it was the only one ever built with the 5.4 liter lightning engine and let's see those profits went to the national multiple sclerosis society and those are the only two that i have record that he's ever sold at least publicly or privately i don't think he's ever sold one so all right so it's finally time to dig deep into jay's collection now i show the current collection consists of 183 cars 
that span across 13 decades with one notable exception. Now I will review each decade and I'm going to start with the decade with the most cars in his collection and then work down to the decade with the least cars in the collection. And then finally, like I said, the one decade that's actually missing. And there's almost two decades missing if you, if you look at it a certain way. All right. And I will highlight a few of the cars as we go along. Now, representing a big 20.2% of his entire collection, Jay has 37 cars from the 1960s. That makes a lot of sense because that's the period in which he grew up and he started liking cars, started driving cars. Now, these go from the 1960 Panhard PL17 Dyna to the 1969 Lotus Elan, and it includes three, yes, three Lamborghinis from that same year. So we have a Mira P400S and two Espadas. Now, a few of my favorite cars from this collection, I'll just kind of run down a list here. I love his 1960 Triumph TR3. Now I chose this car, not only because it's just a cool little roadster, but it was Jay's brother's car and Jay restored it for him. And there's a great video uh, I'll try to put the link in here where he gets a little teary-eyed talking about it. It's just a really special car to him, and he has stated that it is the mo that it is the most sentimental car, sentimental car in his collection. Uh, other great cars in his collection include a 1962 Maserati 3500 GTI. I love this car. It's kind of a silver blue. I think it has a blue interior, and it has this original five-speed manual transmission. Just an incredibly beautiful car. Now here's a note from Haggerty concerning this car. In 1961, fuel injection was introduced, making it the first injected Italian production car. So this goes, again, to the advanced engineering stuff that Jay likes. Disc brakes, were, disc brakes also became standard on the rear. The blend of performance and comfort attracted wealthy buyers, and the list of celebrity 3500 GT owners included, includes Tony Curtis, Rock Hudson, and none other than Prince Rainier III of Monaco. So some pretty fancy company you're keeping there. All right, I did highlight a bunch of cars here. I just wanted to kind of rattle off that are in his collection, ones that stick out more than other ones. Um, the 1963 Chrysler Turbine, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, that will be a focus of a future video, probably under the Weird and Wonderful <laughs> episode. Uh, 1963 Jaguar XKE, the only short wheelbase V12 XKE ever made. He does have one of the most iconic Porsche 356s ever built, a Carrera 2. Uh, 1965 Ford Mustang Shelby GT350, I mentioned that earlier. Jay, please do a video of that car. Uh, I know it's you know one of 562 or whatever, but I'm a Mustang Shelby guy, and I would love to see more about that. Uh, 1966 427 Shelby Cobra Replicar. Again, that's another one. There's not a video on that. I get that, but I would be kind of curious to see if it's a Kirkham aluminum body car, if it's a fiberglass car, what's in the engine. I'm assuming it's a 427. Uh, I do love his 1966 Ford Galaxy 507 liter. This has been modified a little bit, and Jay has a great story about going into the dealership with his dad to buy a car like that, and, you know, Jay selected, you know, exhaust delete or something crazy like the muffler delete. And then his 1966 Oldsmobile Tornado, that's one of the first cars that really came to public claim because uh, it was such a wild build. I think it's a thousand horsepower, twin supercharged, Corvette engine, just an insane build. I've always loved that car. Uh, also from 1967, or from 1967, a Chrysler Imperial Crown Coupe. Now this is an unrestored one, I believe I mentioned earlier. He bought this car from a 93-year-old movie producer in Beverly Hills who bought it new 
along with a bunch of NOS parts. And just go and find this video, hit the link in my show notes. It's a great story. This isn't a car that Jay, Jay necessarily wanted or needed, but when the guy called him and the whole story was just fantastic, a great story. Interesting car in that it actually has dual AC units, uh, some in the front and some one, one set in the front and one uh, unit in the back. All right, two more cars from the 60s I wanted to call out. The 1967 Mazda Cosmo 110S. Now, a friend of mine in Akron, Ohio has one of these. I believe at some point there are only three or four of these in the country. There's probably around 10 now, if I had to guess, uh, with the JDM trend. But uh, super cool little car. I tried to get into one at our Elkhart sale, and that did not go well. I got in it. Getting out of it was another thing. All right, then again, I mentioned the Lamborghinis, three Lamborghinis from 1969, and he also has a 1967 Mira P400. Again, find those videos. I believe he actually accidentally backed one into the other one, which is pretty funny. All right, uh, let's see. The second decade with the most cars in Jay's collection is the 1930s. So we go from the 1930s to the, from the 1960s to the 1930s. These range from the 1930 Bugatti Type 51 to the 1939 Chrysler Royale that was once owned by Johnny Carson. Now, this decade represents 14.8% of Jay's entire collection. All right, there's 27 cars, and one-third of these cars are Bugattis, Duesenbergs, and Bentleys. So nine of the cars are those three models. All right, Jay stated that his favorite year for cars is 1932. Now, he said this is because by 1932, cars were here to stay. They came into their own with V12 and V16 engines, synchromesh transmissions, and four-wheel brakes. They were designed for long-distance travel, and the Model, T car, the Model T made cars that everyone could afford. So they weren't just kind of a hobby. Uh, they were here to stay. Now, Jay does own seven cars from the 1932 model year. But ironically, this is not the most predominant model year represented within his collection. Jay has nine cars from 1966, which honestly, it totally makes sense because Jay was actually born in 1950. So you figure 1966, he's turning 16 years old. So can you only imagine, you know, running around the car lot? I know, well, I don't have a lot of cars from when I was 16 because there weren't a lot of great cars in 1987. All right. Let's see, I picked out a couple cars again from this decade. Uh, one of my favorite cars in Jay's entire collection is the 1930 Bentley 27 liter car. Now this is one of his aero cars that has a 27 liter Maryland aircraft engine. It's a total custom build and as Jay says, it's a great example of someone having more money than brains. Uh, that car I absolutely love. It's a four-door, four-seater, so you could actually take a couple friends. It's just massive. It's huge. Now, another one I love uh, is the 1930 Blastoline Special Twin Turbo. Now, this may be Jay's most famous car, and yet it has not been a subject of one of his videos. Now, it has been on my classic car numerous times, uh, so he does mention it, I think, in one of the other custom-build truck videos. It's also it's known as a tank car. Now, this two-seater Roadster is the longest car in Jay's collection with a 190-inch wheelbase, which equates to 15 feet and 8 inches. That is a long ride. It is powered by M47 Patton tank engine, which makes it the largest displacement engine in his collection, being 1,800 cubic inches with 990 horsepower. I believe I have that right. Maybe one of the aero engines is slightly larger, but I, I think that's correct. All right, a couple other 
mentions from his collection from 1930s, a 1931 Bentley 8 liter Mulliner sedan. I kind of wondered if the, Jay has two of those, so that might be where I'm off by a number. I could find documentation of one. A 1932 Morgan and three-wheeler. Jay actually has two of those, from one from 2014, I believe. And I always thought this was funny. He's like, when you're driving a Morgan three-wheeler, do not try to miss a speed or a pothole because you'll either hit it with, you know, the wheel on the left, the wheel on the right, or the wheel in the middle. So don't even try. All right, another car from his collection from the 1930s is, is a 1936 Cord 812. This is a great example of uh, advanced engineering. So the Baby Duesenberg, as it was called, is one of the most revolutionary and beautiful cars of all time. Per popular mechanics, originally intended as a Baby Duesenberg, it was packed with advanced features like front-wheel drive, independent front suspension, a unitized body, an alligator hood hinge at the rear, like most of today's cars, a 125 horsepower, 288 cubic inch V8 with aluminum heads and a four-speed Bendix pre-selector gearbox with vacuum electric shifting. Pretty high tech. Also, it was the first car with enclosed headlights, a hidden gas cap, and a horn ring instead of a button. So very advanced for its time. Another car I want to call out, actually the last car I'll call out from the 1930s, is a 1937 Bugatti Atlantique Type 57. Now this is not a real Atlantique. I think they made four of those and three are known. Could be off on those numbers. Uh, his is a very good replica, meaning it's exactly the way it was would have been made in 1937. All right, so the third decade with the most cars is the 1950s. So Jay has 26 cars from the 1950s. Exactly half of these cars are American and the other half are European. All right, the first one I'll pick out, I'll, I'll give some more details on, is the 1950 Mercedes Transporter. This is another great video. This is a beautiful kind of medium blue transporter, but the axle, you actually sit in front of the front axle, which is crazy, meant to carry 300 SL Mercedes race cars back in the day. From the old news club, the mission was to quickly transport the Grand Prix cars to and from the racetrack with the three liter six cylinder engine from the 300 SL and 240 horsepower, the transporter got a top speed of 105 miles an hour. I can't imagine anyone actually doing that, especially with these Grand Prix cars on the back. A label that earned the transporter the title as the fastest transporter in the world and the nickname Blue Wonder. All right, the next car I wanna call out from the 1950s is the 1953 Cunningham C3. Just a beautiful car. Per Haggerty, around 30 examples of the 3C were built with two-thirds of them coupes and one-third of them cabriolets. Now, recently I've seen 25 and 5, not 20 and 10 coupes to cabriolets. The number was enough to allow Cunningham to keep running at Le Mans, but it also caught the attention of the Internal Revenue Service. At the time, the IRS allowed companies like Cunningham a period of five years to become profitable or it would be taxed as a non-deductible hobby. Given the low volume and high price of the C3 as well as the lack of other real products for sale, there was no way Cunningham would be a profitable car maker. That's unfortunate. The Cunningham had the same designer as the Ferrari 212 and they look very similar. It's actually a Ferrari 212 I ran across. It's the same color combination as Jay's Cunningham. I was like, why is Jay's car doing in this garage in Vermont, but it, it was a Ferrari. It wasn't that. All right, a couple other cars from the 50s. Uh, Jay does have an unrestored original 1955 Mercedes 300 SL. 
uh, let's see, a 1955 Pactor Caribbean convertible and restore it again. 1957 Cadillac Series 62 hardtop. I don't know if I got the right year or the right model on that. That was in a recent restoration video where Jay just kind of talked about it but didn't get the year or the model. Uh, 1957 Chevrolet Corvette. I love this car in his collection. Per Haggerty, restyled in 1956 to include the now famous side cove. The new vet featured outside door handles, roll-up windows, and options like a hardtop, power windows, and even a power assist soft top. From a performance standpoint, the Corvette really hit its stride in 1957 with the addition of a four-speed manual option, fuel injection, and dual-quad 283 cubic inch engine, making over 270 horsepower. Now, Jay's is silver with white coves, and it has some five-spoke like mag wheels on them. Now, that his is a top delete. It does have the hard top with it, four speed with the 283 uh, and dual quads and 411 rear end. So that is a little bit of a drag car there. Now this was the best single headlight Corvette built and it is often thought as the cleanest and purest designed C1 Corvette. Uh, let's see a couple other cars, 1958 Imperial convertible. I've always loved Imperials, almost of any sort, but the 58 convertible is just outstanding. Let's see, Jay's is original and unrestored, off-white with blue interior, one of the largest and wildest, widest American cars ever built, and the first with a wraparound windshield. Per Haggerty, for the first time, cars were entirely different from lesser Chrysler products. So later they were called Chrysler Imperials, but when they were just the Imperials, they were their own product line. Necessitating an entirely separate body, assembly, body trim, and paint line uh, in Detroit, at the different plants in Detroit. A separate line also gave Imperial a chance to have a slower assembly rate for improved quality as well as extra quality checks. So they were much better built than the average car. So much so that they were not allowed in dem demolition derbies in the 1970s because the other cars could just not kill them. They were just over-engineered and over-built. Alright, one more car I'll mention from the 1950s that's in Jay's collection is a 1959 Oldsmobile Super 88, again, an unrestored example. Okay, as we go along, you'll see I, I might mention a few less cars per decade because there's less cars in his collection from that decade. All right, cars from the 1930s to the 1960s, the three decades, the four, three decades that we just reviewed, three of the four, represented over 50% of Jay's entire collection. We'll get to the 40s in a minute, but World War II kind of impacted production of the cars in the 40s. All right, the fourth decade with the most cars in Jay's collection is the 1920s with 18. Now, his collection mostly consists of steam cars, Bugattis, and Duesenberg. So like I said, some of the Bugattis, you know, I could have a date wrong there where instead of being 1929, it's 1932. So there's a little bit of inconsistencies or not 100% sure on some of this data. Uh, let's see, 1922 Stanley Steamer. This was one of the very last Stanley Steamers produced, and per J, they were not very good cars. The motor is basically the same as the one found in his 1910 Stanley Steamer. Not much changed except the cars put on more weight. Let's see, this particular car, and I didn't realize this, the exterior was painted with a brush. That's the way they did it in the factory. And this particular car was green, dark green and black. So you can see the brush strokes in the paint, which is pretty cool. The next one is one of my favorites in his collection. It's a 1924 Bentley Twin Turbo, a two-seat Roadster. Now, this is a heavily modified Bentley race car 
where Jay took an 8-liter Bentley engine and put it into a 3-liter body and add or chassis and added twin turbos. So it's a pretty insane period ride. 400 to 450 horsepower, but the key number here is it has about 800 pound-feet of torque. So that thing can really go. All right, the next one's a 1927 Bugatti Type 35 Persang replica. Uh, as I mentioned, I love the Bugattis. I mentioned the Type 35 because this is one that had the uh, V8 double overhead cam, basically a race car for the street. Um, Persang, the replica, the quality of the build is just unbelievable. Uh, from what I could pick up in the video, there's only one thing they do that's different from the original. They can either use plain bearing or roller bearing crank for the engine. The roller bearing crank makes them uh, more reliable where you don't have to do a rebuild after like 5,000 miles. So that's an easy thing. You know, I'd rather have that than having the period correct one. Now the Persangs cost about a tenth of the price in the original Type 35. So Type 35s are 350, I'm sorry, Type 35s are 3.5 million to 4.5 million and up. So you can get a Persang probably around 300 to $400,000. Sounds like a lot of money, but compared to the real thing, it seems like a bargain. All right, the last car I'll mention from the 1920s is this Duesenberg Model X. I'm not quite sure if that's a 1926 or a 1927 model. All right, next decade we'll review. Believe it or not, we're going from the 1920s to the 2010s. That's kind of crazy. He has 15 cars from this decade. Now, I'm not going to review all the newer cars in depth because most of you who listen to this podcast are familiar with a lot of these cars because I've talked to them quite frequently on this podcast. I will mention his 2005 Mercedes SLR McLaren. I think it's 2005. Um, he mentions it was the very first SLR in the U.S. and it is the fastest car he had ever driven up to that point, up to 207 miles an hour. So being the first one in the U.S., I'm assuming it was the first year production, which would have been 2005. Uh, Jay calls the McLaren the unbreakable supercar. And per car and driver, this is some funny. This is kind of funny. Dig deep into the loud pedal anytime out on the road and you'll be gobsmacked by the sheer ferocity of the AMG engine's response. It might involve a downshift to do it, but a big dig at the throttle produces the kind of thrust that had everyone in our group shaking their heads in awe. Just check out our 30 to 50 and 50 to 70 mile per hour times, which at 1.7 and 2.4 seconds are the best pair of top gear acceleration times we've ever recorded for a production car. Wow. All right, a couple other cars uh, from this decade. It's a 2011 Chevrolet Volt. You're wondering, why am I picking that car? Well, any early hybrid electric cars uh, we're seeing, at least in the auction world, that these are going up in price significantly. And I think Jay got that one new. Uh, also is 2012 McLaren MP4-12C. I know Jay's a big fan of McLarens. Uh, one of my favorite cars is his 2015 Ford Mustang Shelby GT350R. So like I said before, he has a 1965 GT350. He does not have a 1965 GT350R. Uh, they only made 37 of those, but they also made 37 of these in 2015. So that's definitely one of the modern collectibles. Uh, let's see, if you want to see both versions in a collection, I know there's a couple collections around the world, but check out the Newport Car Museum. Uh, one of my previous guests on the podcast, Gunther Berman, he has both of those in his Shelby room. A real R model and the 2015 version as well. Uh, Jay also has, as I mentioned, the 2015 McLaren P1 and 2017 Acura NSX VIN number three, which I think is the very first one 
uh, for public consumption. The other two are owned by Acura. All right, the next decade is the 2010, 2010s with 15 cars. Now these are mostly steam, electric, and big aero cars. So this is back when the auto industry hadn't figured out our, which direction they're gonna go on. Is, is steam the best way to, to power a car? Is it electric? Is it gas? Uh, that's why we have a lot of steam and electric. So let's see, he has a, I think it's a 2011, maybe 2012 Doble steam car. That's one I wasn't quite sure on the date. A 2000, I'm sorry, a 1914 Detroit Electric. Uh, let's see, 1915 Hispano Suiza Aero car. So again, this is one that has um, an aero engine. Apparently this was the first V8 aero engine ever made and it was one of the factors that helped win World War I. Uh, this is an aluminum body roadster and this is when you hear I talk about cars with no doors uh, later in the podcast here you'll you'll hear that this is one of those cars with no doors it literally doesn't have any doors where your elbow would go is kind of lower and so you just kind of step into the car uh, fun fact if you watch the early my classic car video about this Suiza in the background you can see Jay's 1955 Buick Roadmaster being restored so that's kind of cool uh, let's see, his 1916 Crane Simplex Model 5 Holbrook Skiff. This is one of my favorite cars because it has so many nautical themes on it. Boating was really big at the time. It was new. Uh, if you go back and you Google 1916 boats, you'll see what I'm talking about. All wood, all teak, really cool boats. Now this land yacht, this is a land yacht in the truest sense with a lot of period boating style styling cues, including a propeller on the spare wheel the interior is made of mahogany and teak wood, and the windshield is upright, much like many boats of that year. Now, this car has an interesting way to enter the car. Picture a four-door car, but you enter through the back two doors, and then take away the two front doors. That's kind of how you enter this particular car. Now, this cost $10,000 in 1916, which is approximately $265,000 today. Whoa, that's a lot. Now, Jay bought it from the Hera Collection. He mentioned that they restored it. And if you go back to my interview with Ken Gross about the Hera Collection, you'll know that there were like three levels of restoration done by the Hera Collection, depending on the desirability of the car. I have to imagine that this was restored to the highest level possible at the time. Uh, let's see, a couple of other cars from the 1910s. The 1916 Owen Magnetic. That is an interesting car in that it has like a straight six and then electric hybrid kind of engine going on. Uh, let's see, a 1918 Stutz Bearcat is one of my favorite cars. From the Henry Ford, the Stutz Bearcat introduced in 1912 was perhaps America's first true sports car. Stutz individually tested each Bearcat at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and many were raced with great success. All right, our next decade is the 2000s with 13 cars. Of the 13 cars, four of them are Corvettes. I won't go through all of them, just a few of them. I put in red here the 2004 Maybach, some say Maybach 57. I highlighted that one because of the 183 cars in Jay's collection. This is the one that just seems a little out of place. Typically, this is the car that you might get chauffeured around in. I just can't see Jay doing that. He's a driver. Uh, Jay has a 2004 Porsche Carrera GT, which he has some cool videos on that. He famously spun, I think, at 160 miles an hour at the Talladega Speedway. 2005 Ford GT, uh, his 2006 GM Echo Jet is one that he custom built with the help of GM. It's really cool. 
really futuristic looking biodiesel, I believe, is what it's powered by. It's 2006 Aerial Atom. Now this is serial number one, powered by a two liter Chevy Cobalt engine. This is again, a car that has no doors. It also has no windscreen. Uh, it is so light, it does zero to 60 in 2.8 seconds. He says 60 miles an hour feels like 100 miles an hour. And it's the most exciting car Jay has ever driven. Weighs only 1,350 pounds. Now he did say that also about his LCC rocket. And I'll get to that one here in a little bit. All right, I did want to call out his 2008 Corvette C6 RS by Pratt & Miller. Now this is from Motor Trend. Pratt & Miller Engineering runs the highly successful Corvette factory racing team in the America Le Mans series, ALMS. Pratt & Miller also builds its own mega Corvette, the C6 RS. At first glance, you may think that the C6 RS's $187,000 price tag is a typo. On top of that, the number doesn't include the cost of a customer-supplied Corvette Z06 donor car. But before you write off the C6 RS as a slightly less powerful ZR1 for more than double the price, you have to look at the details. The standard fiberglass body panels are replaced with a wider, full carbon fiber set of duds modified, modeled after the Corvette ALMS racing car. Under the hood lies a 600 horsepower, 600 pound-feet of torque, uh, 8.2 liter V8, complete with a billet aluminum block and many more upgrades. So super cool. Uh, the coolest thing about it is just the stance, the way it looks, the flare fenders, everything else looks really, really nice. And the last car I'll call out from this decade is the 2009 Corvette ZR1. Jay has serial number 001, and I'm sure Rick Hendricks would love to have that car. All right, the next decade is the 1970s. Interestingly, every single car is pre-1975. And the one car from 1975 has a cool story and it's kind of a hopped up race car. Uh, so what does that say? There's a gap here. All right, I'll call out a few here. Uh, let's see, the 1970 Dodge Challenger RT is a really cool car. I think that's a Hemi car, 426 Hemi car in this collection. 1971 De Tomaso Pantera. Uh, 1972 Mercedes 300 SEL 6.3 liter. That was a car that uh, he kind of put it out to the listeners. Do you want a modern engine in this car, a modern 6.3, or do you want the old school? And everyone said, let's get the old school. So that's what he did. All right, the 1970 Monteverdi High Speed 375S. That's the car I want to give a, a little bit more detail on. Let's see, from Monteverdi's website, the Swiss high-performance GT Coupe was built up on a re rectangular beam space frame chassis with a D. Dion rear axle empowered by a 7.2 liter Chrysler engine. The body designed by Peter Monteverdi was built by the Italian coach building firm Frua and Peter Monteverdi's new creation immediately established itself in the top automotive luxury class. Swiss designed, Italian bodied, and with an American powertrain. It's one of my favorite kind of cars. Like the Iso Grifos, you know, you've got basically a Corvette underneath that car, but it's all European bodied. I think Jay calls his hybrids. All right, let's see here. Next, from the 1900s, so this is 1900 to 1909, Jay has eight cars. Now this is, uh, let's see, the oldest car in the collection is a 1906 Stanley Steamer Vanderbilt Cup Racer. Six of the eight cars are steam and one is electric. So only one gas-powered car from the 1900s in Jay's collection. Let's see, the Stanley Steamer Vanderbilt Cup. This is a funny one, because if you go back, you'll see that, uh, let's see, the boiler blew up during an earlier video. You see flames going everywhere. They did a nice job kind of capturing the craziness that happened then. 
Uh, Jay also has a 1908 Benz Mercedes Rabbit One race car, but it, I can't tell if that's a 1908 chassis or the 1921 body. Some date confusion on my part there. Uh, he has a 1909 Baker Electric, and he has, I think it was a 1914 Detroit Electric, so a couple of the electric cars. Uh, okay. All right. So next, the 1990s with six cars, and this is where Jay has one of the few trucks in his collection, a 1991 GMC Cyclone, and he has a 1993 Dodge Viper RT10, the very first black Viper. And like I said earlier, there's a 1993 LCC Rocket. I think that's called the Light Car Company. So Jay's called, he said, it's no bigger than a coffin. So when you wreck it, they can just dig a hole and stuff you and your car in it. <laughs> that's funny. The lightest production car ever built, uh, 770 pounds. It is so light you never wear out the brakes or the tires. It has a 12-speed gearbox. And this was Gordon Murray's first car he ever produced. And it's interesting because there's two seats. Uh, it looks like a one-seater, but you can take the little hatch off the back and someone can sit behind you so their legs actually straddle the driver. Uh, cool little car. Uh, and that's basically it from the 1990s. Another Dodge Viper GTS, Mazda Miata. All right, we finally got to the 1940s, like I mentioned before. Only four cars from the 1940s. Uh, obviously, car production was shut down for a number of years because of World War II. The just bit me. Uh, let's see, two pre-war cars and two post-war cars. Uh, let's see, the two I'll call out is a 1941 Plymouth Special Deluxe Business Coupe because it is, again, an unrestored example that's in its collection. And a 1946 International Shell oil truck. So that's the other truck that I could capture in his collection. All right, the next is the 1980s. There's only three cars from the 80s. A 1986 Lamborghini Countach, a 1989 Bentley Turbo R, and the car I wanted to talk a little bit about is the 1989 Ford Shogun. Let's see, the car features a three liter Yamaha V6 engine sourced from a Taurus SHO. Now, this was interesting because I actually had to put the engine in the back, so you lose the back seats because you got your big old engine back there. From Ford Authority, the Festiva Shogun was created by former race car driver Rick Titus and Chuck Beck of Special Editions who stuffed the Taurus SHO's 3-liter Yamaha V6 into the diminutive hatchback, giving it a healthy 220 horsepower rear-wheel drive and that model's 5-speed manual transmission to boot. The duo planned on building 250 examples of this hot hatch, but a lofty asking price of $42,000 in 1990 led to the creation of just seven total Shoguns. Now, sadly enough, that's Already, that already tiny number has shrunk to six because of the Colorado fires I mentioned before. Motoring One says, as part of the process, the model was equipped with an aggressive body kit that includes a ventilated hood, revised side skirts, fiberglass fender flares, and a rear diffuser. The Shogun boasts Recaro sports seats, a leather wrapped steering wheel, and revised instrumentation. The rear seat has been removed to make room for a three liter Yamaha V6 engine sourced by the Taurus SHO. Yeah. Super cool. All right, 2020s, he only has one car, the 2021 Tesla Model Plaid. That was easy to review. All right, and the decade without any cars is the 1890s. So 1890 to 1899, there were cars built then. Jay does not have any. He also doesn't have any pre-1906 cars, and he doesn't have any 1976 to 19, I think, 84 cars. So there's like an eight-year gap right there. 
All right, as a reminder, my last episode for this series will review the cars I think that should be in his collection, and there might just be one recommendation for each of those two missing decades. All right, now let's review some of the fun stats about Jay's collection. <laughs> this is where I really get into the weeds. All right, by country of origin, as you would expect, USA is number one with 96 cars. Now, out of 183 cars, that leaves a lot of room for a lot of different countries. So I'm not going to go through every one of them. Actually, yeah, let me go through every one of them. England, I showed 33 cars. France, 14 cars. Italy, 14 cars. Germany, 13 cars. Japan, 6. Sweden, 2. India, 1. All the rest of these are 1. India, the Czech Republic, Russia, Spain, and Switzerland. Now, by make, uh, number 1, Chevrolet. I never thought of Jay as a Chevy guy. He has 12 cars. Bugatti with 9. Actually, that might be 8. No, that actually might be 7. All right, Duesenberg, 8, Ford, 8, Mercedes, 7, Dodge, 6, Bentley, 5, Chrysler, 5, Jaguar, 5, Lamborghini, 5, uh, White Steam, 5, and then beyond that, they're, they go down. All right, so if you had to guess what model car was the most prevalent in Jay's collection, what would it be? Now, the hint goes back to what I just said. He has the most Chevrolets of any brand. So the answer is Jay has seven Corvettes and three Corvairs. So for the Corvettes, he has one C1, one C2, two C5s, two C6s, and one C7. So he has no C3s, 68 to 82, and he has no C4s, 80, whatever, 84 to whatever. Uh, so I could kind of see why he didn't have those cars. And he also has three Jaguar XK120s. I thought there might be an XK140 in there, but I just saw the XK120s. All right, now let's review some of the powertrain trains present and engine types. So if you had to guess, what power plant do you think would be most prevalent in Jay's collection? All right, you would be right if you said internal combustion engine, ICE engines, 162. I count 10 steam cars, 6 electric, 3 hybrid, 1 biofuel, and 1 turbine. Again, might be off a little bit. Now this is very interesting by cylinder count. So how many cylinders? What is the most? All right, let's start with the one cylinders. He has zero. Might be an opportunity for one cylinder car in his collection. Two cylinder, he has 10. Three cylinders, there's one. Four cylinders, he has 26 cars. Five cylinders, this surprised me, zero, because there's some nice performance cars that have five cylinders. I might have a recommendation for that. Six cylinders, 43 cars. Now this includes the straight six, the V6, the flat six. And this goes for all of the cylinder count. Eight cylinder, the most, 66 cars. Ten cylinders, I show he has four. He does not have an LFA. Uh, let's see, 12 cylinders, 15 cars. And 16 cylinders, this surprised me as well. He does not have any six, 16 cylinder cars. Uh, let's see, hybrid electric, uh, eight. Now this includes the Owens Magnetic that had a, had a straight six. Steam cars, 10, and turbine cars, one. Okay, now here's a big number for you. 396. What could possibly total 396 in Jay's collection? Well, that's how many doors he has in his collection. I told you I'm going to go deep here. All right, this might seem like useless information, but it highlights a few fun facts. For example, Jay has 24 cars without any doors. Now, how is that possible? This goes to what I said before. Most of these cars are early or they're race cars. 
Um, now this is where the driver would kind of like step into the car versus opening a door and getting in there. Uh, let's see, all but four of these cars were made prior to 1940. The newest car with no doors is Jay's 2006 Ariel Adam that I mentioned earlier. Now Jay has just one car with one door and that is his 1918 Stutz Bearcat. As expected, two-door cars make up most of the collection with 118 cars. Uh, let's see, Jay does not have any three-door cars, and he has 40 four-door cars. So when you think four-door cars are not cool, just remember Jay Leno has 40 of them. And there is one more interesting example that highlights different types of entry. So Jay's 1959 Ferret military vehicle does not have any doors. So how do you get into it? We actually go in through the roof, which is a hatch. Now, there was, I said there were no three-door cars. Actually, I stick with that. All right. And lastly, if we talk about the number of doors, we should probably review the number of seats. <laughs> now, I, I didn't want to get into the weeds too much. So if it is a four-seater, but technically you could put five in there, possibly six, I still called it a four-seater. So I didn't get too crazy in this. So this probably won't be that accurate when you get into some of those cars that have the little fold-down seats. It looked like a four-door, I called it a four, or a four-seater, I called it a four-seater. Uh, let's see. Based on this information, I counted 547 seats in Jay's collection. So if there's 396 doors and there are 547 seats, this reflects a large number of two-door cars that have four seats in them. Now, a few of these would be a 1918 Cadillac Type 57 Victoria, a 1918 Pierce Arrow Model 66, 1938 Tatra T87, 1969 Lamborghini Espada, and obviously any of the Porsche uh, 911s, they do have a back seat. Now, like I said, not totally accurate, and I probably missed a few rumble seats. All right, some of the noteworthy single-seaters in his collection are the 1929 Bentley Speed 6, the 1911 Christie Fire Engine, and the 1939 Lagonda V12 Replica. The three-seat cars are the 1994 McLaren F1, everybody knows about the F1, and the 1922 Willie St. Clair, which has a 2 plus 1 configuration. All right, that's a lot of information about seats and doors, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> All right, now that I reviewed a lot of cars, I want to run through my own personal wish list from Jay's collection. So the car I would most like to drive is the 1927 Bugatti Type 35 or any of the Aero cars. I just think those are so cool. Uh, the car I'd love to show up at the local Whippy Dip in is the Blastoline, for sure. I just want to melt all their ice cream with those big hot exhausts from that tank engine. The car I'd love to own as a daily driver is the 1968 Ford Bronco Resto Mod. We didn't talk about that, but that's a more recent build that Ford did, and they put in the new Shelby engine, which is just insane. If that car was in my collection, I would drive the wheels off that thing. That is almost perfect. And the car I love to own forever is the 27 liter Bentley. That thing is just bonkers, and I think it's the best. All right, so there we have it. This was the first overview of Jay's collection, but be sure to subscribe if you don't want to miss any future episodes. Like I said, the next one will be out, I don't know, four weeks or so. That will be probably on the European Classics. Another month later will be the American Classics. After that will be uh, racing, and then after that will be weird and wonderful. And the last one, like I said, will be 15 cars or so that should be in Jay's collection. Now, which cars do you think are missing from Jay's collection? Let me know in the comments below or shoot me a note, uh, Greg at the Collector Car Podcast. And I'm sure you've identified a few as I've gone through all this information. All right. As always, thanks for listening. And I will talk to all of you 
next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.